Welcome to the official podcast for the Society of Urodynamics, Female Pelvic Medicine, and Urogenital Reconstruction. Here you will find podcasts highlighting clinically relevant topics, ongoing SUFU initiatives, SUFU member highlights, and much, much more. Hello, this is Ariana Smith from the University of Pennsylvania, and I'm here with Chris Winters, Professor of Urology and OBGYN at Louisiana State University. Chris wears many hats, but he's been actively involved in the fellowship program for LSU for many years now. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Great. Chris, can you tell me about your fellowship program? Yeah, sure. So we are, current, we are, we are approved for three fellows at a time. Uh, we are currently training two fellows. Both are actually gynecologists at this point. We train both gynecologists and urologists. Um, so for urologists, it's two years. For gynecologists, it's three uh, the idea is we will take a on an alternating basis each specialty, and that completes the corpus of the fellowship. Um, the fellowship uh, faculty consists of four members in the Department of OBGYN and three members in the Department of Urology. Um, uh, the fellowship chair currently is Lisa Peacock, who's the chairman of the Department of OB, as well as the uh, section head of the uh, female pelvic medicine uh, department. Um, I actually started the fellowship a number of years ago, um, but as I assumed some other administrative duties within the school, uh, we formed and actually had the, uh, submitted the joint application and had the program accredited a number of years ago. Um, so I would say that the, fellow, the fellows work with actually up to seven faculty when you count our specialist in colorectal surgery, as well as GI. That sounds great, Chris. It sounds like you have a truly integrated program at LSU, and I think one where gynecologists and urologists work together is a really great training mechanism. Well, I, I actually, I think that's exactly the way we do it. The rotations are essentially uh, quite similar. The lengths of the rotation in, in, in uh, urogyne as well as in, 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 in female urology, if we want to still use those terms, meaning the gynecology rotation and the urology rotation, they're very similar to in structure, and so each, each fellow rotates equally. There's not a urology tenure where you do 10 months of urology and just two, two months of GYN or vice versa. It's They're all going through progressing at the fellowship uh, with different rotations. We also have strict uh, rotations for a colorectal and GI, and then, of course, also the, the fellows are protected uh, for research time uh, where they do essentially f uh, four months uh, each year they, they have research. So um, in addition, the urologist, we make that up a little bit to get them equal research time as well. So Sounds um, like a really great program. I think I want to come back to fellowship. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Can you describe some of the um, types of surgeries your fellows are doing? I guess what we're getting at here is roughly are they getting vaginal surgery, robotic surgery, right. male, sure. male surgery? Sure. So this is where it does, uh, the answer to that question is yes. They, get, they have the ability, all fellows have the ability to do the depth and breadth. And what I find, however, is many of the gynecologists don't do a lot of the urology procedures. Uh, so we have what I consider a healthy dose of both vaginal repairs to prolapse as well as robotics. Um, of course, many, all of the surgeons uh, do robotic approaches to prolapse with mucopapexy being the most common. And then there's a very good distribution of sacral spinous ligament extensions and uterosacrals as well as uh, uterine suspension procedures as well. Um, I probably predominantly do most of the neurogenic bladder work. We are doing uh, a number of augments a year. Most of the augments now are robotic, um, actually, um, and uh, which has been nice for as far as um, uh, reducing uh, hospital stay. Uh, so there is also exposure to male. We have a, a 
one of the urologic faculty members is an eye, probably implant, uh, I don't know, between 30 uh, to 40 sphincters a year. Um, and so uh, the, the urology fellows certainly take advantage of that. Of course, the GYN fellows tend to uh, find other cases to do it for those, for those procedures. As far as urodynamics, um, we have fluoroscopic urodynamics in the urology clinic, and there's uh, uh, complex urodynamics in the urogyne clinic, and we're actually in the same unit, uh, and so we are able to cross-refer patients very easily. Uh, the fellows are required to attend the urodynamics uh, um, suite. Um, most of the time they do it when I do the urodynamics um, because I, I, I tend to uh, have a more structured way that I try to instruct them. I actually make them do the study with the nurses so they can actually troubleshoot as well. So that's how it works. And most of the time we, we have them do that when they're rotating on the various, especially where they're paired up with different staff. That's great. I think being exposed to urodynamics by different faculty members and different nurses doing the study, you learn a lot about how right. to troubleshoot and how to get through those difficult Agreed. patients. Agreed. So what about clinic? Do your fellows come to clinic with the faculty or do they run their own clinic? Well, they, it's a combination of both. So we have um, a, a, a clinics where they tend to shadow and assist the staff, um, but we also have uh, uh, several clinics where they are participating, where they are managing the patients and they're booking the surgeries and they're uh, essentially the physician and we're overseeing the care as supervising surgeons or supervising physicians. So it's a combination of both. Um, I would say the greatest clinic experience is probably on balance, uh, but the fellows really do all, if you will, a lot of the work in their own clinic. Sounds great. How about call? They sound like they're too busy, but do they still have to take some call? Uh, well, not really. So they take call. Uh, some of the Gyn fellows take call, of course, on the OB service. Um, we do not, and, and they certainly will rotate some weeknight calls, if you will, when they're covering the various staff at night, patients that they've operated on, uh, but there's no primary call. The urologist may elect to take primary call, and some urologists will sell their weekends and stuff, but there's no real mandatory set call rotations for them. Wow. Sounding better and better. I think mm -hmm. I'm coming back. How about your where you've placed your fellows, where they've gone either into academic practices or private practices yeah. over the last few years? So I would say predominantly for us, it's been we've had a number go into academics and then transition into a private practice. I have a number of fellows that uh, are in the Kaiser system in Hawaii, California. So I have a number of former fellows out west that have joined a, a place like Kaiser. But I would actually say the majority of our fellows have gone into private practice. Fantastic. Well, Although I, we would like to say that we could train somebody to stay in academic practice as well. Absolutely. So what do you think the biggest strength of your program is? I think it's a fairly high volume operative practice and a very I consider it a practical practice. And I also think you get a significant diversity of the different practice patterns um, of the various clinicians. And I think we actually have a, a nice smattering of, of what I call young and old. I hate to say that I think I'm on the old side now, but, <laughs> but, I, I, but I, I do think that um, we have a nice smattering of, of, of young and old. And so you can also see how some people approach uh, various degrees of prolapse in different ways. And then you'll actually look and participate in many and, and be involved in many of the different ways of correction. So I really think you get really well-versed in a lot of different approaches to the way we manage uh, women, uh, both in an office setting as well as in the operating room. Well, I think that's really important for fellows. They certainly need to be exposed to the full range of 
methods of uh, approaching patient care. Sure. And this really gives them a great opportunity. Sure. So is there anything you're actively changing or you wish you could change about your fellowship? You know, when uh, we are, since we are a multidisciplinary, when the OB uh, mandate kind of came out where they had to do a year of really com- completely protected time, we really weren't really doing that because we were trying to integrate. Our vision was always trying to create clinician scientists that could balance a little bit of both. So the requirement to have to go to the blocks have really changed our, our flow a little bit, and we're working on that. Um, and and um, so we really are trying to refine some of the research uh, uh, roles and, 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 and how to incorporate that into the schedule because we really were really essentially kind of dividing the weeks up, where which many actually clinician scientists do in the in real world. So we're trying to replicate them to prepare them for that. So that's, that's a change where we're now we started off with the one-month rotations, and then we didn't like that because I felt it was a little too disruptive. So now we're in the four-month blocks, and we're kind of experimenting with that. So we're really trying to get that to to try to see how that can work. Um, but it has been nice to allow us to monitor the thesis development and those requirements as making sure that those are being adhered to. Wow, Chris, that sounds great. I think you've got quite a program at LSU. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today for this podcast series on fellowships in FPMRS. We're reporting from SUFU 2020. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the SUFU podcast. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast streaming app. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter with our handle at SUFUorg, where we'll provide real-time updates of our next podcast episode launch. And be sure to check us out on our website, www.sufuorg.com.